At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Happy Friday, TGIF, guys. We made it. We made it through another one. And 4th of July coming up on Monday as well. And yes, there will be a pod. We will be here. Uh, so hopefully you have some fun plans. And if not, then maybe we can find you some fun action for the weekend. Great show today, full of guests. We have Adam Burke of Vison joining us to talk about the Angels and the Dodgers. The Angels in action versus the Astros. And of course, Padres at the Dodgers going on through Sunday. Adam Burke is also going to have to answer some questions for me about this Shohei Otani AL Cy Young odds that have been on the move, on the move, and also, of course, the MVP because he does both things. He I, I doesn't get his due. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Uh, we're also going to bring on Brendan Glasheen, who is play-by-play for the Connecticut Sun, to talk about the WNBA games going on on Friday and Saturday, get his thoughts, and get some updates on his team, the Connecticut Sun, who are this team that are always at the top of the statistics, but for some reason are not always performing to the top of their potential, whether it's turnovers or dealing with the adversity of players going in and out. So we'll get his thoughts on all of that and also his thoughts on the futures market for the WNBA as well. But before we get into all of that, we'll look at the local Los Angeles lines. So of course, Padres versus Dodgers going on on uh, Friday. We have Blake Snell on the mound for the Padres and Tony Gonsolin for the Dodgers. The Dodgers right now, World Series odds, plus 450 on Bet Rivers. 
same odds as the Yankees, which earlier in the week we heard a little bit about how the Yankees were surpassing the Dodgers and uh, odds were getting shorter, basically, were being the number one pick to win the World Series at this point. But on Bat River, still plus 450 for both the Yankees and the Dodgers, getting even love there. As for the National League, the Dodgers sitting at plus 240, the Mets behind them at plus 380 odds. And then if we look at the Angels... Oh, the Angels World Series odds. Are we even going to look at these? I mean, are they making it to playoffs? That's a question for Adam Burke. 85 to 1 to win the World Series for the Angels right now that are just just struggling and have have really been having a hard time. And yet, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout on their team, still not able to get it done. Uh, Angels now 40 to 1 to win the American League, which is no surprise there. Yankees the shortest shot at plus 190. And should we look at the Sparks odds? I uh, I have some choice words to say about the LA Sparks, unfortunately, on the Los Angeles City cast, but uh, we'll get into that with Brendan Glasheen a little bit later on. The LA Sparks, 100 to 1 to win the WNBA championship. Some shorter odds. The Aces are the shortest at plus 125. Chicago Sky at 3 to 1. The Connecticut Sun at 4 to 1. The Seattle Storm at 5 to 1. And then a jump to the Mystics at 14 to 1. Don't sleep on the Mystics, she said as she holds her Mystics ticket. Uh, you can find all those odds and so much more on betrivers.com. You can check out the sports book. And, uh, also, I know that we have some Wimbledon action available as well. It's Wimbledon week, and Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is your go-to sportsbook for all tennis-related betting. Today through July 4th, that's Monday, you can place a $25 wager on Wimbledon at Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook for a free $10 Bet Rivers live bet to use on any Wimbledon match. Simply log into the Bet Rivers app now, and you can even live stream tennis matches right from the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. How cool is that? Uh, you know what's not cool? UCLA and USC dropping the bomb on us that they did on Thursday, that they will be leaving the Pac-12 and headed to the Big Ten as early as 2024. So before we bring in Adam Burke, I want to get his thoughts on this as well. This is huge news. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. Is anybody surprised with the way that the Pac-12 has been run, especially as far as the broadcasting goes for the last couple of years? I know that fans are probably a set they haven't been able to watch games, which seems like the most basic thing that should be provided by the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 network. Uh, that's been a struggle year over year. And then you take a look at finances, which, of course, UCLA and USC moving into the Big Ten is going to be a huge increase, you would hope. Uh, Big Ten currently negotiating their next media rights deal. We're going to be looking at billion there with a B for that. And last season, last fiscal year, the Pac-12 distributed $344 million among their members. The Big Ten, $680 million. And again, new contract forthcoming. So this would bring the Big Ten to 16 members. Don't even get me started on that. But the Pac-12 hasn't had a team reach the college football playoffs since Washington in 2016. This kind of makes sense, unfortunately. It does and it doesn't, right? It's like, is this necessary? And also, it's so interesting. We're not hearing any talk of, like, Oregon even being considered in this. They're just going to dominate, I guess, in the pac what's going to be 10 again. So you at least appreciate that the Pac-10 adjusted as they added more teams. That said, it, it brings a lot to the table for both the Big Ten and UCLA and USC. Competitiveness, just the brand image overall. And with all the NIL deals going into place, I mean, LA being a huge, huge market, I think this is going to be huge re revenue for both of these teams. I think that's obviously at the top of everybody's mind here. And also... It is interesting to consider the other side that the other sports that are going to be impacted by this, the smaller sports, the sports that aren't football, and what this is going to mean for their travel schedules. It's going to be a lot. And ideally, 
the increase in finances is going to help to add money to those programs, but from the football program, but it's a lot. It's a big ask, I think, for those other sports and especially outdoor sports, keeping an eye on those. Uh, UCLA was eight and four overall last season. They're opening their season against a couple easy opponents, Bowling Green, Alabama State, South Alabama. Uh, they're kind of the favorite to sweep their non-conference schedule, so we'll be interesting to see if they live up to that hype. And USC, obviously, with their new head coach and all of the other fun goodies that they brought into their team uh, to see where they land. What does the future hold for UCLA and USC football? We will see. And with that, let's welcome in Adam Burke, a VEASAN sports betting analyst over there, does a great job, writes, seems like every day, 10 articles a day. So you can check out all that at VEASAN.com. Adam, of course, just talking about UCLA and USC finalizing a deal to go to the Big Ten. And I did anybody even hear about this? I mean, I'm terrible, right? I'm hosting the Los Angeles CityCast, and I didn't even know anybody asked for this. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I was actually out for a little bit, and I got home, and I checked Twitter, and I'm like, what, what the hell? What? Like, I, I had no idea. <laughs> that anything like this was coming. Um, you know, obviously you think about it from a logistics standpoint, the travel's a little bit difficult, but mm -hmm. you know, from a football standpoint, I mean, the PAC 12 is, is just not a great college football conference. It's a solid conference for college basketball, but not a good conference for college football. So this move is definitely predicated on the college football side of things where USC expecting to take a step forward with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, UCLA, I don't know if it's, this is kind of rivalry driven for them, just trying to kind of keep up with USC, kind of, you know, stay in the same conference, get those LA games every year. But uh, interesting to, to say the least. I, I, you know, I think about it in terms of the logistics of like baseball and softball, where it's, you know, really hard to play games in, in February and March, but those aren't revenue sports to the degree that basketball and football are. Which is unfortunate because I actually just saw that there was a stat that actually more people watch the college women's World Series softball than the baseball one. So uh, maybe it's on the uprise there. And maybe that has something to do, too, with uh, Tom Brady's niece playing for UCLA. Who knows? Uh, but lots lots to be found in the L.A. market. And I think, honestly, my biggest gripe with this is that this would bring the Big Ten to 16 teams, I believe. Change the name. I hate this. I hate when they don't up with how many teams are in it the pac 12 changed it used to be the pac 8 i believe went up to 10 went up to 12 changed the number it's driving me nuts well, I, yeah they, i mean i don't know if they'll go to the big 16 now or, or what but i think it's really interesting because you know obviously they they added rutgers you know to kind of get that east coast mm -hmm. presence get that new york city presence a little bit now they add a couple of schools in california so it really is a coast to coast conference at this point in time and and you think about it, too, from, you know, just kind of the standpoint of the NIL and, and basically the fact that college football has free agency now. You know, now you've got USC and UCLA with, you know, a lot of uh, alums that make a lot of money, you know, probably a lot of money being thrown around across mm -hmm. these sports. You think about what this means for, you know, some of the other schools, some of the lesser schools in, in the Big Ten where, you know, they, they're not going to have the same financial coffers as, as the Ohio States and the USC's and the UCLA's and, and the Michigans of the world, you really wonder what's going to happen with this conference. And if maybe some of those lower tier teams decide, you know what, maybe we'll go try to win the AAC or go try to win Conference USA or maybe go to the Big 12, which is obviously losing Oklahoma and Texas here to the SEC. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's fascinating. You know, to you're, I think you're a little bit younger than me, but you think about these <laughs> conferences that you grow up with and like nothing's going to look the same within the next two to three years. Yeah, and to continue just being a word stickler here, American Athletic Conference, uh, Conference USA, all of those would make more sense because, again, we're talking about Coast to Coast. Maybe they should be the Coast to Coast Conference. Yeah, that that could like be it. a name. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I'm TM. I'm going to put a TM on that. Uh, let's talk about 
some baseball now uh, because I'm, I'm seriously, I'm not quite ready for football, but I'm excited that there's moving pieces happening in motion. And I guess we'll see if it's to the benefit. I think it'll be good for UCLA and USC to have the tougher challenge. Ideally, I think is what's going to happen here. And that's not no insult to the Pac-12, but I really think the Pac-12 steals from each other in terms of talent. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects both of these programs moving forward. Let's take a look at the Dodgers here, uh, who just wrapped up against the Rockies and now have to face the Padres. So we've talked about this extensively. I say this ad nauseum, how the Dodgers don't always get up for the lesser opponents. We saw that versus the Rockies a little bit, but this should be a good challenge here. Now a divisional rival with the Padres. They've already seen them play each other this season and now a four game homestead going through Sunday. What are you most looking forward to? Or what are you expecting to see in this series? We have Gonsolin versus Snell on Friday, uh, Tyler Anderson versus you Darvish on Saturday and Kershaw versus Gore on Sunday. Three really good pitching matchups in this series. Real, real quick, I just want to mention regarding that Rockies series. You know, the Rockies mm -hmm. hit lefties extremely well. They've hit lefties very, very well at home. And in fact, they ran into three left-handed starters for the Dodgers in that series. And none of those three guys pitched particularly well. Though Tyler Anderson was good through five innings, ran into some trouble in the sixth. But Kershaw wasn't particularly good in that middle game. Urias wasn't really great in that series finale either. Um, you know, so maybe that was just kind of a trickier matchup than, than we kind of mm -hmm. saw on the surface. But as far as this one goes, you know, the Padres are another team that's better against left-handed starters than righties. A lot mm. of that has to do with Manny Machado, and we still don't know what his status is going to be. You know, they opted not to put him on the 15-day injured list, hoping he could come back sooner. But, you know, he still hasn't come back yet. We'll see if he's ready to go either on Thursday night or Friday. But, you know, this San Diego team is a team that, I think a lot of people have been looking for some regression from. You look at their advanced metrics and you look at some of their alternate standings and they're kind of overperforming a little bit. The pitching staff has really carried them. The offense has been pretty good this month, but it wasn't all that good in April and May. Uh, this is a team that I think a lot of people are kind of expecting to fall back a little bit. And I think we could see that dynamic kind of play out in terms of the betting market for this series where – I think more often than not, the Dodgers are going to be the team taking money, uh, you know, early on in the overnight lines and, and probably up until first pitch in several of these games here this weekend. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And it's unfortunate for those of us who like to try to find a way to bet the Dodgers for that reason. Uh, do you find maybe a little bit better value in run lines? Obviously, with the Dodgers, we know that that's kind of usually something that you can get a little bit better money on. And when I look at the last time that they were at San Diego in April, they did win, I mean, 6-1 to one and 10-2. to two. The game they lost went into extra innings. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I think it's kind of up in the air a little bit because the Dodgers have played, I believe it's 10 fewer games at home than on the road. This begins mm -hmm. an 11-game homestand, so they'll kind of even that out a little bit. Their, base, their run output is basically the same at home and on the road, a little over five runs per game. But these will probably be games that have fairly low totals here because San Diego's offensive projection isn't super high. But their pitching staff is pretty good. You know, both of these teams have had good pitching numbers throughout the month of June. It's just challenging because, I mean, the Dodgers are basically a 500 team here in the month of June. They're 13 and 12 going into Thursday's game where they face Joe Musgrove. So that's a difficult assignment for them. But for whatever reason, I, I don't really know what it is with the Dodgers here. I mean, you look at their numbers and offensively, they haven't been quite as good in the month of June as they were in, in April and May. The pitching numbers are still just fine, despite the loss of Walker Bueller and some of the other guys that they're waiting on. I, I don't know why this team doesn't have a better record this month. They're plus 13 in run differential. I guess they've lost some close games and they've had some issues in middle relief. But, you know, I, I don't know if, if the run line is the right approach here in this series. But mm -hmm. I will say this. I, I'd like to see 
some positive signs from the Dodgers, especially against the team in the Padres. And as I said, a lot of people kind of expect to fall off the pace just a little bit. Yeah, and it's so sad we're even talking about this because we're talking about one of the best teams in baseball and we're like, we're just, they're just not performing to our expectations of them, but they're still playing incredibly well in a lot of regards. I mean, at the top of most of these categories, especially offensive and the pitching, actually, both sides. But there was kind of news that the Yankees surpassed the Dodgers in the futures odds in the market most recently. Now, at Bet Rivers, you can still get both of them at plus 450 to win the World Series, but do you think that the Yankees have just shown a lot more consistency than the Dodgers at this point? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, also, too, you know, Aaron Judge has stayed healthy, and, you know, he is the leading candidate for the MVP in the American League. And, you know, their pitching staff's been good. Their bullpen's been really, really good. Um, you know, and also, too, I mean, they're, they're on a historic pace, you know, so mm. you have to give them respect for that. At the same time, I, there will come a point where the Yankees sort of pull a Dodgers and, and kind of struggle for a period of three or four weeks where things just kind of don't go their way where they don't really mm -hmm. fall on the right side in close games. The Dodgers are 0-3 in one-run games here in the month of June. The Yankees keep coming back off of bullpens. They keep winning one-run games. They keep finding ways to win 3-1 to or 3-2 to when the offense doesn't show up. I just don't think that that pace is really sustainable for the Yankees. Should they be the World Series favorite? Maybe. I would also argue that the path is much more difficult in the American League to get to the World Series because mm -hmm. Houston is so good. Boston and Toronto are good teams. Tampa Bay will be much better when they're healthy. Uh, so the path, I think, is more difficult in the American League. But, you know, when you're on a historic pace, uh, they're going to be taking money, and, and the sportsbooks just had to account for that. Well, speaking of the AL, let's take a look at the Angels as well. And Shohei Otani, I have to ask you about, of course, because uh, despite his team's up-and-down success, mostly down it seems, he's been incredibly hot, both sides, pitching, hitting, but especially pitching. And when I had Ben Wilson on, I think but a week ago, we were talking about would he rather have an MVP ticket on him, which right now at Bet Rivers plus 325 behind Aaron Judge at minus 118, or a Cy Young Award, and I believe at the time you could get Shohei close to 40-1 to 1 when I talked to Ben, now down to 15-1 to 1 to win the AL Cy Young, of course, behind a couple of great pitchers, Justin Verlander, Shane McClanahan, etc. What do you think about the Shohei Otani MVP versus Cy Young discussion? It's, it's funny. I was actually, uh, I did a guest spot on the Props and Hops podcast earlier this week, and, and Matt Landis asked me, he said, would you rather have Otani as a hitter or a pitcher? And mm. I was like, um... I, I don't know my hitter, I guess. And then, you know, you look at what he's done here recently as a pitcher, and it's just we're truly watching greatness. I mean, it, this is unprecedented as far as Major League Baseball goes, as far as really any sport goes, I feel like, to be this good on, on both sides of the ball. Um, just incredible what he's doing. But, yeah, I mean, from a pitching standpoint, you know, he's just he's, – he's put this team on his back, basically. And, you know, the increased strikeout rate, you know, what he's doing with mixing his pitches and all of that – uh, you know, if you got 40 to one, that's a hell of a grab because this price is probably only going to keep coming down where, you know, McClanahan's been really, really good, but he doesn't get the same kind of fanfare as a Shohei Otani does or as a Justin Verlander does simply because Verlander's done this before. He's coming off of a major injury and, and essentially missing two seasons. Uh, Otani, what he's doing is just remarkably special. And at 15 to one, there may still be a little bit of line equity in, in taking him as the Cy Young. But obviously, as we know, it's so hard to do that when you know you could have had 40 to 1 a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because actually, I believe, not speaking of Verlanders, but Ben Verlander, actually, the analyst here, was talking about how just the pitch arsenal 
that Shohei Otani has and how special that is. And so I just don't think that sometimes he gets the credit due on the pitching side. And for whatever reason, it's because he does both. You shouldn't be docked because of that. But uh, regardless, incredible pitching from him so far. We saw on Wednesday night he struck out 11 over five and two-thirds shutout innings and extended his scoreless streak to a career-high 21 and two-thirds innings. Uh, scattered all five hits. Just incredible what we're getting to see from him so far. Not so incredible what we're seeing from his team, unfortunately. And their schedule's not getting any easier because they're having to face the Astros, a, a team that they opened their season against. They lost three out of four. Then they had to face them again at Houston. They won two of those. So they actually won two out of three on that on the road. And now back at it against the Astros at Houston. Uh, we see Lorenzen versus Javier on Friday, July 1st. What do you think we'll see here? Well, I think we'll probably end up seeing a continuation of what we've seen from the Angels for a while now, which is Trout and Otani perform well and nobody else does. I mean, it's just... It doesn't really work in baseball, though. <laughs> no, not not in the slightest. And and look, I mean, you know, I, I was looking at this today. You know, Jared Walsh has a 112 WRC+. plus. League average is 100. So Walsh is 12% better than league average in the month of June. Otani and Trout are like, you know, 60, 70% better than league average. And this is a team that's 28th and weighted on base average this in the month of June here. So Otani and Trout have been out of this world good. And they're 28th and weighted on base average in the month of June. And that's because nobody else besides Walsh is doing anything. And mm -hmm. that, like you said, that's not really the way to have success in Major League Baseball. You kind of need that one through nine type of mentality where every day we look on Twitter and it's, well, Otani's got a double and a home run. Trout hit a home run and they're down 10 to four. Like, I, I just, it's, it blows my mind that this is possible, to be completely honest with you. It'd be great if they were an NBA team because you can get by with two superstars and and a cast of a lot of nothing otherwise, but but they're not. They're a Major League Baseball team, and the pitching's been pretty average throughout the month of June. It's just that Otani and Trot have gotten very little help in the lineup, and I don't think that that really changes here against Houston. You know, you look at the games at Minute Maid Park so far here this season, it's, an, it's a venue that's suppressed offense in a big way for both the Astros and the opposition, and I just don't see how... You know, the supporting cast gets enough done to, to really help the Angels here in this series. Maybe they win the Sandoval game uh, on Saturday because Patrick mm -hmm. Sandoval has been really, really good. But I, I don't really expect much from Lorenzen on Friday. And I certainly mm -hmm. don't expect much from Suarez or if we get an opener on Sunday. Uh, it looks like the Astros probably going to win two out of three at a minimum here. And you have to wonder with the Angels at some point how much of this is how the team is being ran. Because we know like they lost their manager recently, Joe Madden, and then... Most recently, I know you saw the Mariners brawl. Actually, like I was dying at your tweet. You're like, it actually went pretty far how far <laughs> they were able to throw the sunflower seeds uh, towards the third baseline. But what were your thoughts on that brawl and just the state of the internal affairs within the Angels? It's it's not good. And, and really, it starts from the top. I, I, Artie Moreno is just, look, he may have deep pockets, but he's not a very good owner. You know, a lot of the decisions that they've made have, have really not been strong foundational baseball decisions you know obviously you have to pay mike trout and they're very lucky that they got otani in that whole bidding process but other than that you know there really haven't been a, a lot of good hires there really haven't been a lot of good decisions here with this organization and look i think madden had to go i i, I talked mm -hmm. about this you know right after madden got fired he's a very overrated manager in my opinion but Phil mm -hmm. Nevin is clearly not an adult. You know, he starts an opener <laughs> to, to throw at the Mariners, starts that brawl, ends up getting Archie Bradley hurt as he falls, trying to get out of the dugout and join the brawl. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of teams here this season. The Mets really take off by having Buck Showalter, an adult mm -hmm. in the dugout, 
the Padres who we just talked about with Bob Melvin, you know, things are very different for them. There's, there's not a whole lot of leadership within this organization. And, and then you look at it and I mean, Trout's calling out a reliever for tipping his pitches from center field. And it's like mm-hmm. the pitching coach couldn't see this. Nobody, nobody saw this coming up through the minors, anything like that. It's just, it's another example of the fact that they don't have good leadership here. And, and there's only so much that Trout can really do. And Otani kind of leads by example. You know, obviously there's a language barrier there and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. The, the leadership is a huge issue for this team. And, and that's really why when things snowball, you know, they, they really get bad for this team where you've got two standout players and, and nobody else doing anything. It's going to be a long summer in Anaheim and, and they're going to really have to sit down and, and make a lot of decisions. And, and to be fair, they didn't know that Anthony Rendon would give them basically zero for the big contract that they signed him to. But this is what they've always done. Allocate a huge percentage of the payroll to big name guys. They don't draft mm-hmm. and develop well. This, mm-hmm. this this needs to be a teardown where you build around Otani and Trout and just start everything else from scratch. How do you think the suspensions going forward from that are going to affect uh, the Angels as well? Well, I mean, uh, Phil Nevin might be addition by subtraction, to be totally honest. I was going to say, but, <laughs> probably a good thing. Know, <laughs> as, as he get 10 as, games? Yeah, he got 10 games. I mean, Anthony Rendon, he can't be in the dugout for seven games. He's suspended for five games next year. Um, <laughs> you know, look, I... It, it speaks to a, mess. a lot of frustration, I think, you know, yes. to, to get involved in that whole thing. But for Phil Nevin to be kind of the ringleader of it, I mean, to me, I look at this situation and how can you keep that guy as an interim manager for the rest of the year? You know, th- this is just, like I said, Trout just looks dejected every time the camera's on him. Otani eventually is just going to get tired of carrying this team. And, you know, you've got a lame duck interim manager that's going to do you no good throughout the rest of the year. I mean, I, I don't know where they kind of go from here. You know, they I think Perry Manasian was a decent hire as the general manager, but, you know, they, they called him up. He's a baseball lifer. That's great. But you look at all these other teams around Major League Baseball, and they're all going very heavy into analytics. They're going mm-hmm. very heavy into, you know, pitch shaping and pitch tracking and doing all these different things with hitters. The Angels just feel well behind the times with that, and, and they hire a baseball lifer to be the GM. You know, they're a team that's not drafting and developing well. They need to change from the bottom up, from, from the top down and from the bottom up, and that's going to be really hard to do. What do you think about their chances to make playoffs at this point? Because I know Fangraphs, before that huge losing streak, it was, well, you know, close to 80, I believe, and then down to 15% around after that losing streak. So where are they at for you in terms of playoffs? Right at this point, I would say no. I mean, you know, the Rangers yeah. are effectively a 500 team. They got off to a terrible start in April. I think they were 7-14, and 14, but they've played above 500 since. They're actually, they don't have a great team by any means, but they're at least kind of building towards something. The Mariners are a team that's underperformed relative to their talent level. I give them a good chance to finish above the Angels when all is said and done. Uh, so, you know, obviously the A's are just going to continue to get worse when, when they start trading guys like Frankie Montas and Sean Murphy and maybe Ramon Laureano, who knows. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that at this point in time, it wouldn't shock me, despite having Trout and Otani, for this team to finish behind the Rangers and the Mariners and obviously the Astros as well. Does that affect Cy Young or MVP voting too? Because if Shohei Otani's on an Angels team that can't even make the playoffs, I mean, I'm looking here too, and there's Aaron Judge is four wins above replacement, so is Shohei Otani, but these are on very different teams. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the question kind of boils down to the voters, and, and if they say, look, I mean, you could make Shohei Otani the MVP every single year. 
you know, and, and Judge is doing something really special for a team that's on a historic pace. It, it's Judge's award to lose right now, probably, even though what Otani does on a nightly basis is something we've never seen before. And to me, my vote would go to Otani just because mm-hmm. of that, because he's, you know, a historic outlier of epic proportions. But to your point, you're probably right. You know, people are going to look at this and say, yeah, well, you know, Judge is really good on a team that's been really good. And it's something that I, I think is completely wrong with the MVP voting in general. It's the yes. most valuable player. It's not the most valuable player on the best team. It's the most mm. valuable player. And without Otani and Trout, I mean, do the Angels win 50 games? I, I don't know. Probably not. We're probably not even having that discussion. And I think it's hilarious that when we talk about Shohei Otani, there's so much of like apathy of like, well, we can't just give it to him because he does both. Yes, we can because nobody else is doing it. It's like, oh, like people are over it or something. And I I don't understand it at all. But I agree with you. It's MVP, not MVP on the best team. Like there's no asterisk there. He should win MVP in Cy Young, probably, to be completely honest with you. (laughs) Just get both tickets. But to circle this back to to the Dodgers discussion that we had, you know, when there's a standard that's set really high, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just becomes, oh, well, that's what we expect. So there's nothing special about it. You know, like the fact that the Dodgers are a 500 team this month, everyone's like, oh, my God, what's wrong with this team? And the same thing's going to happen to the Yankees when they go, they'll have a stretch where they go 5 and 10 over 15 games or something like that. And, you know, the narrative's going to be, oh, well, are the Yankees a flawed team? What's wrong with that? You know, when a standard is set, it, we take it for granted, right? And, I think that that probably happens for a lot of people on a nightly basis with Otani, even though it shouldn't, because honestly, he does something special every single night and and we should just embrace it as opposed to take it for granted. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And uh, I appreciate you for coming on again and making the time. I know that you, uh, you had some poker going on this morning. It didn't end super well for you. So I appreciate you coming on despite that. <laughs> Oh, it's all good. Uh, you know, I, whatever. I'm, I'm getting back into it. I guess I'm a little bit rusty here, so I'm trying to get back into it. But at least the it's baseball like you do sports betting 24-7, so. That's true. There's not, not a lot of time for other things. And, you know, I even uh, – I mentioned USC in an article I wrote for Point Spread Weekly this week about teams that have really upgraded at the quarterback position. So now we're getting into college football talks. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be able to do that here on the LA CityCast with the soon-to-be – Big 16 members, USC and oh, UCLA. Geez. Yes, the Coast to Coast Conference. TM, thank you so much, Adam Berg. Check him out on Visa and check out his college football coverage, of course, and everything else he does. So thanks so much, Adam. No problem. Appreciate it. And coming up, we're going to talk about the WNBA action on Friday and Saturday with none other than Brendan Glasheen, play-by-play for the Connecticut Sun. We'll do that right here on the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Daniel Alvar here with our guest, Brendan Glasheen, does play-by-play for the Connecticut Sun. If you're wondering where you know that, that sultry voice from. So, Brendan, thanks so much for joining us again. Thank you. I'm, like, afraid to talk now because you, you just set me up so well there. But <laughs> always enjoy coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So my first question before we get into the Friday games, obviously we have three games Friday and one on Saturday, is – what are your thoughts so far this season on the team that you cover, Connecticut Sun? I know you got to couch it a little bit, but what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, we just got back from Chicago Wednesday night after Wednesday afternoon game. Got back Wednesday night from that contest, and look, they ran into a buzzsaw. It was summer camp day in Chicago. Ten plus camps were in attendance for Chicago, who has been rolling. They've been the best team in the league in the month of June, nine and two. Mm-hmm. Candace Parker just decided to be elite. Candace Parker from the opening tip, knocked down two threes from the top of the key, and then. What ended up happening was a game in which we thought the paint would be the story as it was earlier in the month when the two teams met at Mohegan. It, it turned out to be an outside then inside attack from from Chicago. I mean, when they first met Connecticut and Chicago in early June, mm-hmm. Emma Mieseman scored 13 points in the first quarter and scored 20 by halftime. She had no points at half and Chicago was up 22. So... It proves the depth. That the depth is, is huge. Their depth is huge. James Wade has built a phenomenal basketball team. You factor in Azaray Stevens coming off the bench. Now Dana Evans has had to sacrifice because of the emergence of Rebecca Gardner, Julie Alamond. Mm. I mean, they've got pieces everywhere, and they won the whole thing a season ago. So it just feels like Chicago in year two with Candace Parker as their star, the player they've built around. They're just getting started, not to mention Quigley and Vandersloot have been there for a long time, and they've just really accepted their roles as facilitators. They do what's, ne- they do what's necessary. And then Kalia Copper, I feel like, hasn't even played at the top of her game yet. So right. Chicago is very good. I still think Connecticut, they are using the Chicago blueprint of last year. As long as we're playing mm-hmm. our best basketball by the end of the season, we'll be okay. Uh, I think spirits are still high. Can't overreact to one loss. Certainly you'd like to go in and – after how it went in Washington on Father's Day, they would have liked a better result on the road. They got a big game this weekend against Washington at home, so a chance to wipe all of that away. But uh, I think that the missing ingredient for the Sun right now is consistency from the guard position. That has become evident with the absence of Jasmine Thomas. That loss is starting to uh, meet its level in terms of how impactful that really is. Not to say Natisha Heideman's not a great young guard in this league, but you're asking Natisha Heideman now to play instead of 20 minutes, 30 minutes a night. Courtney Williams getting guarded by the best guards on the other side. They've got to get more consistency out of Courtney Williams. So I think as long as Connecticut can get their their guard play uh, to elevate here in the stretch run, they're going to be right there with the top four or five teams in the league. Yeah, I agree with you. It's funny you were saying top four or five because I'm actually sitting here trying to think who are my top four. And I think that between the Sun and the Storm now, they're, or excuse me, between the Sun and the Mystics, that's kind of battling for my four spot. Obviously, the Aces in the Sky at the top of my list. And really, I'm putting the Storm in the top of that list now, especially with that addition of Tina Charles, which, by the way, what did you think of the messy drama? Because I just want to get your take on that. I loved it. Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, the the, the T word, uh, maybe people don't know what that means. I mean, it was, was there any tampering involved there? I mean, it's like, look, Tina Charles. She great... never seemed happy there from the get-go. Well, like it's, it says a lot, right, about what's happening in Phoenix. And there's a lot going on there. I mean, of course, the serious level of, of Brittany Griner, that's just horrible what, what continues to happen there. Her mm. situation, um, a new head coach. You have a, a Which, veteran. Do you feel arguably, for Coach Nygaard at this point? Yeah, look, I think I think there's a lot of personalities there, and they're still trying to figure out how they want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, Skylar Diggins Smith is is an established scorer in this league. I think there's no mistake about that. But 
it feels when we were in Phoenix in the earlier in the month, uh, Tarasi had a huge first quarter and then it almost felt like it just feels like they're taking turns. Like, okay, let Diana do her thing. And okay, now Skylar wants the ball. She wants to do her thing. They're still mm -hmm. trying to figure out, and maybe that's, it just proves how big of a difference maker Brittany Griner is in terms of how they, uh, they keep the, the ball moving. It just sort of keeps everything on the same page. And the game we did there in Phoenix, uh, Danielle, earlier in the month, we didn't see Tina Charles. She was out with an injury. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, there's there's a lot going on there, a lot of mouths to feed in terms of who wants the ball, not to mention Diamond to Shields is over there. And I think she's actually played pretty, uh, played pretty well for them. Um, they're still trying to figure it out. All that said, they are, they're right there. I mean, they are, they're only, they're in the eighth spot right now. I mean, who would want to play them in the first round? There's no bye this year, but you get Phoenix. Well, you can get, I mean, you can get long odds on the Mercury right now, 100 to one at Bat Rivers. And people have been asking me who know of Diana Taurasi, know of the legend of the lore and Skylar Diggins-Smith and are asking, wait a minute, Danielle, because they're not following the games closely. I can get the Mercury at 100 to one, should I? And I'm like, I wouldn't. But I guess like that's a ton of value on a team that has really talented veteran players. Yeah. If they, if, again, if they figure it out, and uh, you know the Cunninghams of the world, that they're they're outside, <laughs> they're outside threats. I mean. They've got a lot of personality on that team. Let's make no mistake about it. They just I call gotta, them the bad girls of the WNBA. Yeah. They, it's like they, bad girls club at that place. <laughs> they, yeah. They, well, they, as you said, they certainly make their waves on social media. They, they keep it fun. Yeah. Uh, hashtag WNBA Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, they, there's, a, there's a lot there. They're still very talented. I'm, I'm not going to count Diana Taurasi out in terms of saying – I'm not even talking no. about her age or anything. She can still play at a high level. I just don't know if they've got enough – and now you mentioned no Charles – they're not getting Griner back this year. It's just people that are thinking that just don't even think about it. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know if they have enough. I just don't know if they have enough and if they're going to run out of time. But they, if they get in, um, I still think the top of the league is too challenging for them to get by. But if they could squeak into a six seed, maybe, maybe you get a better mm -hmm. first round matchup. What do you think in terms of, well, first of all, <laughs> I know I already kind of know where you're at with the Chicago sky, but I mm -hmm. just look at how the Sparks look right now too and talk about don't know how they want to play, similar to the Mercury, and losing Candace Parker and what's transpired since then, her winning her first year back in her hometown in Chicago and what she's been able to continue this year. Mm -hmm. And the last team actually to be able to do back-to-back -back championships we know was the Sparks back in the early 2000s. It's not been done since then. And now we have, Can I mean, how huge of a loss it was for them to lose Candace Parker and how much time it's taken for them to get their feet back underneath them. Crazy, right? I mean, to think that no one has repeated, knowing some really good, like Seattle, um, how good Vegas has been the last couple of years, not winning it at all. Washington with Mike Tebow, he's had some phenomenal teams. The team, the Connecticut Sun, I mean, if they, each year since the 19 finals run, Kurt Miller has been on record about this. He's very mm -hmm. frustrated how he continues to lose a key piece to his core going into a year. I mean, Alyssa Thomas was the story in 2021. In 2019, uh, Connecticut was down. Um, I'm trying to remember. They were down somebody. Maybe not. Well, they didn't have, at that at that point in time, they didn't have Dewana Bonner yet. So that's when they mm -hmm. went out and got DB in the offseason. Now it's coming back to me. But in 2020, John Quell Jones didn't play in the bubble. So right. each year, and then, of course, they lost Courtney Williams to free agency to Atlanta. So they finally, coming into this year, J.J. takes a little bit less to, to get Courtney Williams in the building, and bam, Jasmine Thomas goes out a couple games into the year. So It feels like they're always the groomsmen. Yep. The Sun are just, they're yep. always right there at the top. Yep. But look, I mean, with Los Angeles, uh, Derek Fisher, of course, being out is, is a big storyline. 
Yeah. Liz Cambage is still trying to figure out how to play with NECA. Um, you know, Liz was a big splash in the offseason. That was the, the the prize possession of the offseason. Mm-hmm. And, and look, they, they've had their their struggles, but they've got a lot of talent. I mean, I think Jordan Canada is a worthy starting player in the league. And then can Kennedy Carter, who looked really, really good the first month of the season, um, now down to just eight points a game, shooting it. You know, the, the three ball hasn't been there. 46% overall is decent. Um yeah, I mean, it doesn't look great. It does not look great based on what they had. It does have not look great in LA. Sorry, Los Angeles City cast. It does not look good. I think we're speaking the obvious on that front. Like, yes, yeah. we wish we still had Candace Parker, who is just uh, igniting. I, I can't imagine the destruction it caused, though. Like, yeah. NECA really had to step into a role that I don't know that she either was prepared for or wanted to at that time. Mm-hmm. And this team has just been struggling since. And you thought that addition of Liz, I don't know. I, it's kind of funny because it's almost like uh, the Lakers adding, you know, Anthony Davis and people just being like, oh, this is going to be the end all be all for the rest of the teams. And similar energy for this Liz Cambage. I was not convinced because yeah. she's got a track record. And also a she's not a person who, unfortunately, I think is going to go out and play hard every possession. I mean, I saw Kelsey Plum go at her how many times? And just go right at her and have all the space in the world. So uh, I have I have issues with this yeah. team, unfortunately. And they are back in action, but not in Los Angeles. They're at Dallas, which is unfortunate because we know that Dallas is great road dogs here. Dallas has been struggling a little bit. The Sparks have surged a little bit, at least offensively. They're just coming off of that loss to the Aces. And they did cover if you had six and a half. And that means I lost by a hook on the Aces. Oy. And I'm still mad. The Aces, by the way, have not covered for six straight now, I believe. And they've only covered one of their last nine. Terrible. So, Sparks actually coming off a cover, depending on the number you got, and at the wings. What do you think we'll see in this matchup? High scoring? Uh, Very much so. I think, uh, well, one thing about Los Angeles that is evident is with with Derek, Derek Fisher had his faults. But mm-hmm. they, they're they not the same defensively as they were a year ago. Last year, they were just behind Connecticut in points per game allowed, hovering in the 70s. And this year, they're second last in the league, 85.9. Yeah. And that, that's not going to get it done. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, it speaks to they're struggling to find out what personnel they want on the floor at the same time. If they play a bigger lineup, do they sacrifice speed? So that's where a team like Dallas could come into the mix which presents problems because Dallas mm-hmm. can go up and down. I found watching Dallas earlier in the year, when Arike is more of a willing passer and playmaker, she becomes more dangerous at the end of the game. Um, yes. And Arike is an all-star, deservingly so. Um, I think, keep in mind, this will be the first game played for a lot of teams since the all-star reserves were named. Here comes mm. Alicia Gray, who will be motivated to continue to prove. And we, we saw Natasha Cloud all over Twitter from Washington. Oh, people don't think I'm an all-star, huh? Well, I can score the ball. Never mind am I a three-point shooter. I can score the ball. Alicia Gray was on record when we first saw Dallas at Mohegan Sun that I want to be an all-defensive player this year. Um, mm. Look, it's a, it's a tough league to make the all-star. I love that angle, though, because there is that spite angle. And especially, actually, I think in this WNBA, these they, they have something to prove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm not sure. I don't have. I don't see a number. I'm look. I was looking for the number just to yeah. play the play off what you're talking about. But um, what would you what would you want here? What which side would you like to look at? And how many points would you want to lay? Hmm. Max, don't be greedy. <laughs> Put me on the spot here. Well, um, Dallas also I just think... got Dallas just got blown out, which is just teams that that happens to they they and the, that was on the road. Bounce they're, back. They're, they're back home. Um, I would say Dallas, in all likelihood, as a result of that, and L.A. playing better, 
mm-hmm. probably four, four and a half points, and I would lay it, and I would take Dallas. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and at home. But like I said, not not the time that I love to play the Wings. I'd rather get them when they're on the road, actually. But yeah. I think the best case scenario here is I like overs in this game, whether it's a first half over, a full game over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to play something like that. And unfortunately, the Sparks are so wishy-washy. I put them in the same category as, say, the Phoenix Mercury or the Indiana Fever, where I like to bet their games live and see how how it's shaping up for them before I get in on any action. And that's just because they're the bottom of the pack in the league. It's hard to count on them for really anything. So um, I think high scoring affair is safe to say, but I do agree with you. The wings could bounce back here. Who knows what you're going to get the sparks on any given night coming up at the same time though. Aces at links. This is very interesting because like I said, the aces haven't covered for six straight. They've covered one of their last nine. So the market's overvaluing a little bit. And I was talking about this the other day uh, on the pod and just saying that basically the line leaves you no room for error. If the aces aren't at 100% of what is expected of them, they're not covering these lines. And so it's kind of hard to bet these unless you get an in-game line that's a little bit better. Uh, the links, on the other hand, what's going on with the links? Sylvia, <laughs> Sylvia Fowles comes back and all of a sudden they start winning games again? Like, it was a complete reset. What do you think? Are we going to continue to see the links surge like this? Oh, well, they, they, they've been playing really hard. Um, it's it's tough because you, you want to see Sylvia Fowles go off on a high note, and that would obviously mean making the playoffs, making a deep run, and, and making a bid for a championship. Um, still 4-6 and six over their last 10 games. Their game, I watched a lot of their game against Chicago on Sunday, getting ready for mm-hmm. Wednesday's game. And, you know, Kayla McBride is someone who comes to mind who, who's playing really hard for them. They're continuing. I mean, their win against Dallas, as we just talked about, that that blowout win is 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 massive. Powers has has emerged as as a pretty darn good scorer for them. So that's what they've been looking for. They need the complementary pieces to step up. Um, but what, what concerns me, they're finally starting to shoot it better too. They're forty one percent last game from three. That's a challenging spot. My only concern is uh, you're getting Vegas off a loss. Uh, you're getting Vegas off a double digit loss against Seattle. We've talked about this. I mean, I'm I'm concerned about the depth of Las Vegas, but again, depth doesn't necessarily hurt you when you're still not early in the year, but you're not too deep into the year. They only play 36 well, some, games. We're hearing people say like the Aces are start. We're starting to see things wear thin on the Aces because mm-hmm. they have just that starting five. So are we starting to see the effects of that? Do you think that's going to continue? I, I do. I mean, look, they only shot 40% from the field last game against Seattle, and that's a credit to Seattle. They're a good team. 38% <laughs> from three. Well, I mean, look, yeah. I mean, they're the they're the number one scoring team in the league. And when you're being held to 78, I mean, that's that's a credit to Seattle. And Seattle's got great interior players to make it challenging when you want to drive the lane. Um, so, look, it, it's is it, your guess your guess is probably it's a double digit spread, right? Yeah, it has to be right. It has to be close to 10. Mm. Well, in that case, I think you lean Minnesota. I mean, Aces on the road. Yep, I would lean Minnesota. They're playing better. Um, And and the Lynx, by the way, playing better against good teams. You mentioned the Sky game. They lost by three in that game to the defending champs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly right. I think that they've they've been playing... They've been playing better since Sylvia's got back. And finally, they're getting something out of their their role players. Remember, they were like... They were the talk of the league uh, right before the season started because they started waving a bunch of players. And everyone was like, what Mm -hmm. is going on here? So I think that might have... um, Being in that spotlight... A negative spotlight to which many felt um they were like what are they doing like what, what what's happening right now in minnesota so 
They, they, and look, like you said, they've been in games. So this, the record is the record, but they've been, they're fighting. They've got, they've got fighters on that team. And I, I mean, that to me, that game against Chicago was, was eye-opening. Even their game against Seattle at home, that was, I think, a week or two ago. It was a midweek ESPN game. They were right there. They were right there. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're giving teams fits right now. I would, I would probably, if you're getting close to a nine or a ten point spread, I think you want to take the, take the home squad here. And here's the thing, too. The Aces are going to come out hot. Mm-hmm. You might be able to even get a better number live. You know I love live betting. But I, I was I just going to say, you. I mean, you're, you're the master of that. You're the queen of that. You, it's, you know, <laughs> we're just watching and seeing game flows, you know? I mean, it's so fun, especially when you see a game and you see a team that didn't shoot well in one quarter and all of a sudden you're getting this great value on a total. It's just, it's too easy. It's too easy to pass up. Um, she says that she's betting like barely 54%. It's okay. It's fine. We're up 10 units. Uh, Fever at Storm is the last game on... Friday night. That one's at 7 p.m. Pacific time. The fever, man, so frustrating because we were just talking about the links and how there's a lot of fight in them. The fever have so much fight in them and no finish. And I don't know what to do with a team like that against the storm. Talk about a double digit spread. The storm have to be favored by what? 12 here? Higher? At, at least, <laughs> again, I'll, I'll play the angle. I'll play the narrative angle. Kelsey Mitchell was probably the biggest snub of any all star. Now, the problem with. I love a narrative angle. I mean, Kelsey Mitchell didn't make the All-Star game when she's top 10 scorer in the league. Just a problem. Mm-hmm. She, she's a problem, mm-hmm. and she she's deserving of being in that game. Problem is, team's not winning a lot of games, and they had to change the coach, and they've got a lot of young players, four top 10 draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um, all that being said, I, I just don't know. If they, I don't know if they have enough. Like, they're still so they're, they're so raw. Like, Vivian's is their next best player scoring the ball. And they're not getting consistency, and that's what that means. I mean, Alyssa Smith has been figured out now a little bit. Outside of Ryan Howard, yeah, maybe Shakira Austin, too. This rookie class is now, when you get scouted and there's tape on you, mm-hmm. within three weeks, four weeks of the season, people can start figuring out your stuff. Um, that said, I think uh, I, I'm, I, w- I will not be in a position to be feeling good about backing Indiana in this spot. No. No. And I think the number is going to be too big to lay on the storm, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they haven't been incredible at covering spreads, but I do think they're on the upswing right now. They're headed in the right direction again, which is good to see for this. This is the championship contending team. It usually is year over year. You have Brianna Stewart, you have Sue Bird. That's just the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, One last game on Saturday, Mercury at the sky. So... This is interesting because obviously we know the Mercury's offense is pretty much the only thing they have going for them. The Sky's defense much better, but I think we could see, I mean, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what the total ends up being for this game. But if it's like a decent number, you could see this going over just based on the fact that the Mercury pretty much their only options to try to keep up with them offensively. Yeah, exactly. We, we talked a lot about Phoenix off the top and in that whole situation. They, they obviously feel motivated by that. I can't ignore how well Chicago has played this month. I mean, they... They shot 83% in the first half against Connecticut, who is one of the better teams in the league. So maybe there's some Especially defensive teams. Yeah. Uh, so maybe maybe we expect some regression uh, next time out for Chicago, 9-2 and two this month. But again, we don't necessarily care. For, for our purposes, we don't care about the straight-up record. We care about the number. Um, <laughs> and, and like we talked about, Phoenix is back in the playoff mix. They're holding on to the eighth spot. Diana Taurasi's not an all-star. I'm sorry. I mean, I think I love that stuff. I think the press conferences after this, after the reserves were named, when you play in a league where there's only 12 teams and we're talking mm-hmm. the 140-ish best in the in the world, there are going to be some notable snubs. But when you when you snub the GOAT, which 
Who knows? She'll probably enjoy the time off. But when you snub the goat from a spot and Sue Bird gets in and not you, hmm, hmm. Phoenix has been playing better. I think it's a wise choice, but I'm really going off regression. I don't expect – I mean, Chicago's been great. Number one field goal percentage. Number one three-point shooting team. Number one assist team all in the month of June. I expect a little regression. Day game, too, which they proved in the day game setting that we had Wednesday. <laughs> They're okay in that spot. They shot the ball really well. Uh, they killed my they killed my under. Very upset about that. Oh, you had 20 a full, points you had a scored in the final under? two minutes. Yeah. And then Connecticut went on a huge run, 21 to mm-hmm. 6 or 9, whatever it was. So, Yeah, which like pointless because you lost, okay? Guys, geez, sorry. I'm still a little bit hurt by it. Uh, yeah, I, it, it's funny because we talk so highly of this guy now, and I believe we talked about this preseason, you and I, and we were talking about, well, teams don't repeat in the WNBA. It hasn't happened in so long, <laughs> and that's such a weak argument for why something can't happen again. I saw no reason why they can't repeat, and it's unfortunate because I actually finally took my first futures ticket. I have Mystics 15 to 1. Okay. That's what I went with. I thought it was the best value on the board. And yep. now we're seeing Mystics, honestly, you can get them at 18 to 1 in some spots too. Yep. But the sky, yep. I mean, 3 to 1 plus 450 maybe still out there. That's not high enough for me to really want to get involved. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you're going to get a better number leading up to playoffs. It'd have to drop off quite a bit. No doubt. I mean, I look at. Look, look, this year there's no buy. So mm-hmm. you play, you're playing a first round series. And yeah. look out for New York to give someone trouble. And I'm you want so to avoid, glad you said that. <laughs> I think you want to avoid New York in that first round yeah. matchup. So if like, it was Vegas Liberty, I don't know. I mean, I think the Liberty could give them a little trouble because um, they could play their style, play a little up and down, and, and, and they can match up reasonably okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas. Chicago, you draw. I mean, you draw a finals rematch in the first round. As of right now, that would be that'd be great theater. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much more to add. Ch- Chicago's Chicago's really good. They're really deep. They're they've been without James Wade. He didn't even coach the game on Wednesday. They they had to go down to the assistant <laughs> ranks to uh, coach the game. Well, and I'm just I'm looking down the list, and the Aces are one starter away from having big issues if a, if a starter goes out. Connecticut, I think, is incredibly good at dealing with that diver- that adversity as we've seen yep. over the years. So I think that they're a little bit more stout. Uh, the Storm are, if I mean, we saw them have to play without Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird already this season when they were in health and safety protocols. That's a huge, huge gap and drop off for them. Mm-hmm. And then the Mystics come and go with Elena Deladon. So the Chicago team is just the most stout team. Just they're just built. They are not. I mean, they go nine deep. And Gardner was a great find. Gardner was actually, the, the decision she made in free agency was between Connecticut and Chicago. Kurt Miller was telling mm. us that before last game. Um, so that, that's What a, could know, have been. What could have been is right. <laughs> bench depth is important in this league. But speaking of bet, bench depth, you know, Las Vegas had an all-star last year by the name of Dierica Hamby, who is now a starter. Brianna Jones coming off the bench this year is a starter for the second straight season. So that's impressive. Brianna Jones has made the adjustment just super efficient. Connecticut's been tinkering with this bigger lineup where Melissa Thomas plays the one. You put Williams at the two, Bonner at the three, JJ at the four, Brianna Jones at the five. They're still, but what they don't want to do is just make that who they are. They want to show different looks. And that's why Chicago is the blueprint because all five of their players on the floor at any given time. They're the most versatile passing team in the league. When Candace can just gallop up the court and make these no-look passes or find a slasher to the block, they're just they're just really good. They're really, really Poor good. Anderson, Allie Quigley, forget it. Forget yeah, it. They're we, really I good. mean, And Quigley hasn't even shot it that well. 
And like yeah. I said, Quigley's only shooting like 32% from three. And I don't think Copper's even touched her game from last fall when she was the mm-hmm. finals MVP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with you completely. And and I think Quigley at the start of the season, we know she was out for a quick moment. So maybe she's not feeling 100%. Clea Copper coming back from playing in Spain, winning a championship there. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to continue to see more and more unfold with Chicago. Uh, we could talk about this till the cows come home, honestly. So I'm just going to wrap us up here. Uh, leave people wanting a little bit more. Thank you so much, Brendan, for joining me again. We'll have you back on real soon. And good luck at your uh, calling the game this Sunday. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Danielle. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. As always, new shows Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'll probably always be talking about the WNBA. Very sad that the All-Star break is coming up. Uh, But we'll still have stuff to bet on, fortunately. All-Star game and more. We'll see you back here on Monday for the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.